You're listening to Dirty Feet, a dance podcast. I'm Alison Elizabeth Burns. So let's get started with uh, who you are and what you do. Oh, I am Brittany Kanda, and I do many things. Um, I... I make dance films, I make music videos, I make dances, I dance, I teach dance, I edit dance films. I guess that's what I do. (laughs) I guess those are the things I do. Yes, you do all these things. And the the reason I wanted to talk to you now is, uh, well, first of all, you've been you've been having a lot of success recently with your projects. And that's really exciting. Um, But also, you, you started working in the in the field of dance film and music videos and all of this pre-pandemic. And now we're having more and more people kind of coming into this territory and exploring this world um, that you've uh, made comfortable for yourself pre-pandemic. Yeah. So I wanted to take the time to like, to, to, to illustrate your career and your, your artistry and how you use these tools to express yourself. I met you, Brittany, when you were studying at Concordia University, and we interacted through the Bouge DC Dance Festival as well, that at the time I was participating in as artistic producer and you were presenting work at. So I know you from this realm, but actually you have a like a different parcours, like a different trajectory, of course, than myself and then other yeah. artists. So let's talk about pre-Concordia, pre-university, the beginning of your dance life. What did that look like? Uh, I was a studio kid. I did dance competition, studio dance, the tap, jazz, ballet, musical theater, lyrical <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, all throughout my childhood, I was, uh, very, very unsuccessful for my, for my dance competition year. I, I really struggled in that environment. Um, yeah, until, until my last year where, um, I, it stems from like a, a traumatic event. My, one of my classmates was murdered. And I wanted to do a dance for him, but in order for me to do that dance and do it justice, I, I was determined to become like the best dancer, even though I was the, the noodle that struggled the most. And then I worked really hard with like anger as my motivator. And then I won all the competitions. I won everything. I won all my solos. I won, I like, I, yeah, I won everything that year. Um, so yeah. And then after that, I, 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 um, I got flesh eating disease in my knee. My story, I got quite the epic story. Um, you do. <laughs> then, um, uh, yeah, I got flesh eating d- disease in my knee at the dance competition. I was in the hospital for a really long time, went in for surgery to have my leg amputated. Uh, it turns out the infection didn't go as far as they thought, so they just were able to do a debridement of the infected uh, parts of my knee. So I had parts of my knee taken out. And, um, and then a year of recovery after that, learning how to walk again, 
learning how to dance again, going to ballet sometimes, um, and then came Concordia. Uh, so <laughs> that was my childhood dance education. Thank you for illustrating your, your origin story in such a personal way and sharing that with us. Um, I want to talk about Concordia because Concordia is a contemporary dance program. Perhaps it was an unexpected choice for you to make to end up there. Can you talk a bit about the choice that you made to study at Concordia and what it did for you or didn't do for you? I didn't, um, I didn't think that it was a, unsuspecting choice for me to go to Concordia at all when I went there. I was the, I did competition, but I was the weird kid at competition. I was like the weird artsy one that no one understood, that like didn't have great social skills. And so, so Concordia seemed like the place where a lot of creative, um, like misfit type people went. And that's something that I resonated with. So I didn't know that Concordia wasn't the place for me until, um, that was kind of put, uh, like I, I learned, I learned that very quickly. Um, but through my stubbornness, I, I stayed, you know, I, it took me seven years to graduate Concordia. I failed, uh, my choreography classes, nothing that I, presented there was considered contemporary dance because it was considered something that was commercial, but I didn't understand the difference and no one ever could help me understand this. They would just be like, contemporary dance and commercial dance are different things. And I'd be like, how? And they'd be like, well, can't you see they're different? One is so you think you can dance and one is amazing. And then <laughs> like, um, I'd be like, but but I think they're both cool and I think they're the same thing. Like, I don't understand that these are different things. And everyone was trying to teach me that these were, um, that these were different things and that I did what I did was this thing. Meanwhile, uh, I was training at, uh, Studio Dance MP and those people there in the commercial dance studio were saying, Oh my God, you don't fit in here. You're so RC. Like you're a Concordia girl. So I wasn't accepted by either the commercial dance world or the contemporary dance world. At Concordia, we had to do a video assignment. Uh, I, was, I had absolutely no interest in video before that. I was like, I, mean, I want to make we the weird dances to the music I like. This was like what I wanted to do. And I'm like, it's going to be amazing. We're going we're gonna, to, it's going to be fun. People are going to like, feel something like it's going to be a party it's going to be scary like <laughs> I don't know what it, what direction I was going in but I knew that I liked like exciting scary feelings emotional dancing I fell in love with editing because it, I could do choreography and like I didn't have to remember a phrase and I didn't have to like think about my performance I could just like improvise all my feelings and all my tricks and like every weird idea that I had, um, I could just do it full out and then the craft would come later, which made a lot of sense for me because I'm not someone that picks up choreography very quickly. Uh, so it felt like doing choreography uh, with this like fixed 
content uh, was something that really helped me express myself, I guess. So I I started a YouTube channel uh, where I would like hang my DSLR camera in a tree in the back alley and go jump around in a puddle for like 20 minutes. And then I would bring it home and spend like two days awake manically editing it. And then, uh, then the next week I'd have another strong feeling and I'd go express it and then I'd make a dance film and then I'd put it on my YouTube channel. And I had like many, 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 many YouTube videos. Um, and I, I didn't really tell anyone. I was kind of like scared of dancers to find out about my YouTube channel. Um, because I thought that like they would hate me even more. Um, it was just sort of like my own, um, my own place where I could dance. And, uh, then my favorite band, uh, Winter Sleep found my YouTube channel and the singer sent me a message and was like, Hey, I'm Paul. I found your YouTube videos. I think they're cool. Do you want to do a music video sometime? And then I was doing music videos from that moment in time. And I was like, yeah. That's amazing. How did, how did your favorite band find you? How does that work? I don't know. He says that his friend told him, but I'm sure that he Googled himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. I, I want to take a pause and just talk about what your dance looks like. There are, of course, a million different ways that creators approach um, creation. And, and as you've illustrated, like you, your moving body is like a big part of, of like where your movement comes from, where your choreography or creation, as we're talking about improvisation comes from. Can you, um, other than, you know, now we understand your training and your background, like what does that look like when you're moving? It's a, it's a lot. Uh, I mean, I, it's very maximalist, certainly not minimalist. I would call my dancing maximalist. I made a, I made a list, um, recently for another interview. I'm just going to find it. What is it? Okay. So it, 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 it's essentially like all of the, with all of the things that Concordia said we're bad dancing is kind of like what my bad dancing looks like. Um, it's narrative, linear, sentimental. I use a lot of classical technique. I use music with lyrics. Uh, I use a lot of um, emotional expression. It's extremely physical and athletic. It's autobiographical. It's gestural. It's busy. And I use, do a lot of character work. So for you, when you started creating more music videos, you were already kind of primed for this, okay, we're going to take this narrative, we're going to use these lyrics, we're going to work off of that to build a visual experience. Is that right? No, not at all. Uh, When I make a music video, uh, first, you know, we'll listen to the song and sort of get the vibe of the song or the, what the musician tells us sometimes, uh, sometimes they they tell me what they what the song is about. Sometimes they don't. Um, and then from there, I'll listen to it a bunch of times and sort of go off into dreamland and build a narrative around an image or 
another idea, like for example, um, the, the music video for Silhouettes, we, we watched, um, we watched Swiss Army Man, which is where, uh, is a film where Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead body. And, and my partner, Vincent Rene Lortie, looked at me and he's like, we're going to do a dance film with a dead body. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. And <laughs> I'm not doing that with you. Sorry. And then the next day, um, I was teaching and, uh, and one of my students was like very, very tired, this like little girl. Um, and she, in her improvisation, she was just flopping all over the place. And then from that moment, and then on my break, I called him and I was like, I found our dead body. <laughs> uh, and then from there we were like, okay, so Brittany's dancing, this little kid's dancing. Our song is this, like, we just got sent this classical piece of music by our friend Simon. So maybe we can make this a music video and we'll, we'll, then we'll build the story from there. So that story was like, okay, we have the elements of like the, the two casting, the, the cast is there and one of them is, one of them is going to be dead and floppy. And so from there, we like wrote a story about a little girl who's playing hide and seek with her imaginary friend and gets lost in the woods and um, then falls from a tree while she's playing hide and seek with her imaginary friend and her imaginary find her imaginary friend finds her and uh, they dance together and the dance brings her back to life or back to heaven or yeah. Uh, I got the little girl to write a story because uh, we wanted it to be really whimsical and childlike. So she wrote a story that was something like I was, I was eating my lunch and then there were griffins and with the griffins and I, we, uh, we went swimming. <laughs> she wrote a story like this and then we just danced her story quite literally. Like her, her story was the, the choreographic narrative that we followed, but it was abstracted by the, the bigger narrative. Does this result in a dance? Uh, film, or does this result in a music video? This process you just described. Well, I don't think there there's difference? a difference. <gasps> I don't think there's a difference. <laughs> okay. I think the difference is. Um, I think the difference is lame. I think that these are just like boxes and fashion, and there's like it's gotten us. It's gotten my work into a lot of trouble um, because. Uh, oftentimes when I submit my work to various like institutions and festivals, it, it doesn't get accepted because they're like, this is so cool, but it's not a dance film, or this is so cool, but it's not quite a music video because it's seven minutes long, or this is like, this is so cool, but it's not a, this is a great dance film, except there's someone who's singing the lyrics in it, so we can't accept it because it looks too much like a music video. I'm like always in this in between zone that I've always been, but now, uh, now I'm in a, now, I don't know. Now people think it's like, now, now it's in fashion. So I'm just coasting on this. <laughs> like I haven't been doing anything different from what I was doing when I was like 
a kid or at Concordia, I feel like what I'm doing is now just kind of in fashion. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you're winning awards and getting recognition from Dance Dance and like <laughs> having your work reach far and wide. Um, yeah, tell me a bit about these experiences that have kind of rewarded your persistence at following your instincts. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't also don't, I don't know about following my instincts because I don't feel like um, I don't know. I also don't I like the. I'm compelled so strongly to make the kind of work that I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me to make other kinds of work. Uh, my, it's been weird because I, uh, you know, like I've received all of this, um, during COVID, like I've been alone, like experiencing success, which is, which is surreal and strange. Like, yeah, it, it kind of feels not real because even more than it would before because of COVID. Um, cause like I, my video beat Beyonce's video at the UK MVA is, and I was like in my mom's living room, uh, <laughs> like by myself. Right. Right. Um, is this real? <laughs> and like, and like the computer was really glitchy and I was like panicking. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and like, the Junos are coming up. I was, I was just nominated for a Juno too. And, uh, that's virtual too, which is, I'm so grateful, but yeah, it's really weird. It's really surreal. I was, I was thrilled to see a, a new dance work, uh, video of yours come through my, my, newsletter from Danse Danse, which is a major Montreal presenter. Mm -hmm. And they've they have adapted one of the ways that they're adapting is they're they're including a lot of links to um, artists work in their newsletter and not just any artists work, right? It's like a highly curated selection. So that is a situation in which like the the COVID has become an opportunity for exposure for you in that way, mm -hmm. which Danse Danse doesn't normally promote dance videos in that manner mm. um but the uh, the awards the music video awards that is separate that is not an enhancement because of the pandemic right like that would likely run its course um you would likely be winning those awards you would likely be nominated for a juno i think i think what i'm trying to illustrate is that the fact that you came into covid with this strength of working with dance on on film mm has been advantageous to you in some respect oh yes as we're, as gotcha. the world is trying to catch up with the adaptation gotcha. but that's not the only reason that you're receiving success right now yeah uh i i i suppose so at the same time um you know i'm immunocompromised so i can't be working the same way that other people are working, even though they can work in film. Um, I've done a couple projects, but, um, but it was, it was really, 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 really hard. Um, I, you know, I couldn't be there for most of the rehearsals because I have to be isolated. Um, it was like a lot done through, done remotely for the most part, except for, um, uh, the shoot, the day of the shoot and on, on the day of the shoot, I still had to be very far away from everyone with like my goggles and double mask and in my own hut with like my own lunch that no one else could come near. Um, 
on walkie talkies. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, then I've been like editing other people's stuff. I did do the, the one film that, that was, uh, luckily well received, uh, by, by the dance community, but uh, that was hard. <laughs> that was really, really hard to do. It was, it was insane. It's called Touch. Yeah, this is a dance film that we did for Festival Cartier Dance with Triple Light Fantastic. And I took on the role of film director because uh, I'm not, well, now I'm dancing again. But at the time, I wasn't dancing again because I was still recovering from my ACL replacement. So you created a dance video called Touch in the Time of COVID. Mm-hmm. Might be obvious what that means, but can you tell us what the inspiration is behind touch? Um, well, uh, you know, Kira, Kira called me, uh, and said that, um, Festival Carte Dance is producing, uh, some dance films instead of live work this year. Um, uh, so we were accepted to, to do Festival Carte Dance with, with the trip the light fantastic and uh and yeah so so she called me and said i don't know what we can do but we have this tiny budget and we're gonna make a dance film and then we're like okay well how how can we make a dance film what can we do how do we do how would we even do that and then we just had a brainstorm together um about dancing uh on either side of a latex sheet um, and then sort of built the device and the story around it and found the location. Kira did the choreography, uh, the cast of Trip the Light with a few guest friends, uh, did the performance, Pascal Champagne did the music. <laughs> There's lots of, like, we're certainly not the only people that did that. I've seen so many uh, latex latex sheet, latex wall, plastic sheet dances. So we, we made one of those, I suppose. Yeah, so everybody can put up some silicone and, and get get their colleagues to like push on it and record it and whatever. <laughs> but that's not, it's not going to necessarily be the piece of work that, that you and the team put together. Um, and that is, I think, what this steep learning curve is for a lot of artists right now. It's just how much work and how much expertise and how many different elements have to come together to create a film. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't do it by yourself. Um, I think that's sort of like the biggest lesson to learn. Um, I'm mentoring someone right now who's, who's a dancer and she's trying to learn um, like editing and lighting and all of this stuff. Um, but other people, I, I don't know any of that. Other people do that. I just do the, <laughs> I just do the directing and the, and the dancing and the, I mean, I do all this, I do all of those things, but, but not all at the same time, most of the time. Yeah. And everybody having their role, like allows them to get really deep into their practice. Right? Yeah. And like you get a really full experience on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, that's, that's that's like a big lesson is how similar choreographing and directing are. Ooh, tell me more about that. You know, when, when a choreographer creates a piece for stage, uh, it's like, it's their name that's on the choreography, like, you know, 
so-and-so is the choreographer and they did everything. <laughs> everything you see, they did it. They said yes to it. They approved it. In film, it's the director, even if it's a dance film. You can, ha- you can create different relationships, but, but oftentimes, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, I'm sure there's many people that have dance film or music video and, you know, you, and you work really hard on the choreography and then you get it back and, and it's not, not your choreography anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's like an, an experience of a lot of people. Uh, so. So navigating those relations, the relationship between choreographer and director is, uh, is challenging. Uh, you have to find somebody that, that can really collaborate with you if you, if you want to, uh, fill your role in this, in a similar way that you would, uh, if you were creating a, a more familiar stage piece, I suppose. Or, you know, take, take a back seat and, and listen. Yeah. I don't know. They, it's hard. It's hard. It's like a, it's, it's sort of like a push and pull, um, thing. It's a different industry. It's a different scale. It's a different scope. It's a different budget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Kind of, I don't know. The, there's no money in music videos. I don't think I've made any money ever on a music video. Maybe I made, oh. Yeah, no, nobody makes money on music videos. There's no budget for music videos. Music video funding comes from like musicians' pockets most of the time. If you're lucky, Factor. If you're really lucky, CAC. Canada Council? Uh, for Canadian musicians, at least. Um, yeah, so, so there's no, there's no, there's no money in music videos. Nobody gets paid on music videos. People do music videos, uh, to do a cool art project. Hmm. It should it be that way? No, <laughs> but it is. It, they're yeah, you know, you make you make money if you do commercials, mm. and that's different. I think that co- commercial dancing for commercials can be well. It, I mean, sometimes I don't know. Well, what happens both in, in theater and in video? I mean, is that is that you have to pay the materials first, right? The technology gets rented the, or purchased and any software and any venues that all gets covered before you start looking at artist fees which is devastating yeah. but it's the reality exactly and often to um uh like especially if there's no budget the way that it'll work is uh like the people who don't get to be creative are the ones that get to be paid and if you are if you have like creativity if it's something that you can uh like use to promote yourself then you are less likely to be paid because because like the guy the guy like the grip doesn't gain anything by by like taping stuff up and yeah the person holding the as microphone much of a, is there to hold the microphone and they, they as much paid. of a hero as they are like they have no glory mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. and i do want to go back to because we we skimmed over this whole um beating out beyonce business but that's mm. for wrap me up right? yes yeah that's for wrap and me this up. was filmed pre-pandemic thankfully <laughs> oh gosh this was filmed two years ago released yeah. one year ago 
didn't get a single thing, sent it to every festival, every music video festival, every dance film festival, uh, nothing. Everyone liked it, didn't get any, any love. We got a staff pick, uh, pretty, pretty, like, uh, quickly after the release, but, but after that it was like, <laughs> you have been rejected, you have been rejected, you have been rejected, you have been rejected over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big surprise, uh, to, we were, we were nominated for two UK MBAs. We were also nominated for, um, best alternative video for that one, uh, for, for Wrap Me Up. Um, that was very unexpected. I, I heard this thing about like job offers when you're looking for jobs. And I think it's true of like applications as well is you hear, you hear no, 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 no. Yes. Yes. And it's always like the two at the end. <laughs> it feels like that's true in this case as well as so you've yeah. been hearing a lot of no. And all of a sudden you're getting a lot of yes. Yeah. Let's finish that circle loop and talk about how you ended up teaching at Concordia recently. Yeah, well, I I got a text from Angelique Wilkie, and she was like, uh, she basically told me that they had a few kids like me <laughs> that year. <laughs> and she needed the Britney treatment, <laughs> and she didn't really know what to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, they. They, this was also, you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, it was very, very strange, um, to be asked to, to, to come back to that place in, in the position of a guest lecturer, because, um, I never thought that would happen. And I don't think that anyone else ever thought that would happen either. <laughs> um, so it, it, it was a, like, very vindicated vindicating experience just to be asked um to to return uh with some wisdom to share that was like wanted um that was cool um yeah it, it felt very punk rock uh, <laughs> uh but yeah th so so I just spoke to them about my career path and you know, try to encourage them not to doubt themselves or be influenced by fashion. All dance is dance and all dance is good enough. You've had coming back towards you really positive response for the work that you've been doing, reinforcing that you've chosen the right path and in continuing to work the way you've worked all along without compromising. Uh, what does that mean? for you these days it's it's really sort of lifted off a lot of doubt that I had been carrying around from from my education from uh communities from like what people say from like um you know even sexism in the film industry um, it's really like validated my place and, um, the fact that I and my work have value. Um, I didn't, I honestly didn't think that 
they did before. And it, it's odd. It's odd to have that come through, um, like external validation. I'm really, so I'm like really grateful for that. Uh, because I feel like going forward, I can now trust myself more. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll feel less inhibited. Um, and it also makes me really want to like undo, um, a lot of the, a lot of the like systemic guck that I've been carrying around that I, that, that this like really released up, uh, through this experience of winning big awards alone in my mom's living room. (laughs) Um, so strange, but you know, like, um, yeah, sort of, sort of realizing that you've been good enough all along is like that, you know, it's, it's a lot to like look back and, and doing a lot of interviews like this. I've had to do a lot of looking back. Yeah. It's, it's giving me confidence, but it's also like, I know that I'm, I'm really fortunate to, to be in this position and like be holding these titles right now. Um, and so the fact that like, um, people are listening to me is, is, is important. Um, and I want to like really dismantle, especially a lot of sexism in the, in the film industry. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer afraid, uh, to like be calling it out quite bluntly, which has been hard, uh, but that's that's sort of what I've been experiencing recently is sort of and like I'm trying to like um, take back credit for things that other people um, received my credit for in the past crazy ways that women are um, like uh, not not acknowledged in the film industry. I've been treated as like the girlfriend of a filmmaker for a long time by the film industry instead of a filmmaker myself. Um, so now with these like accolades, I'm sort of demanding some more respect. What's next for you? What do you foresee happening in the future? I know it's really hard to plan these days. Yeah. Because there's so many unknowns, but what do you dream of? Um, well, uh, when I returned to, I- when I get my vaccine, I'm going to return to Montreal and, uh, I've got a short film planned. We're going to do a 30, hopefully 30 minute film, uh, with Trip the Light, uh, for, uh, adapting the, the live piece, The Smile Club to, um, to film. Uh, so we're going to do that and likely shoot that in September, October. Uh, so that's a big endeavor. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's some other potential projects. My dream, um, my dream is to make a new kind of dance TV show that doesn't have a competition element. Oh, I love that. I think, I think maybe I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could do anything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think, I don't know. The world isn't like listening to me right now. So maybe I can, maybe I can do that. I don't know. I hope I can do that. 
I am so excited to watch that show. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. I learned a lot in this conversation. <laughs> I really appreciate your time and your, uh, your openness. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Dirty Feet. I'm Allison Elizabeth Burns. Music for Dirty Feet by Tristan Henry. Special thanks to Paula Flalo for ongoing support and guidance. And to past contributors for amassing an almost 200-episode archive, available at dirtyfeetpodcast.com. Learn more about me at allisoneb.com. This episode was created thanks to my patrons. If you would like to support the future creation of podcasts and hear an extended version of this episode, visit patreon.com slash allisoneb to learn more. <laughs>